0: My reading this morning is from Jonah chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give to you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day Jonah started into the city, he proclaimed, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust then he issued a proclamation in nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles do not let man or beast herd or flock taste anything do not let them eat or drink but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth let everyone call urgently on god let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened.
1: Thank you, Terry. Good morning. Every year with uh, our youth group, when I was a a teenager in the Bay Area, we would go uh, to Mexico. It's called Mexicali. And we would head out with uh, hundreds of teenagers, 15 passenger vans out of... uh, out of the Stanford, uh, Palo Alto Bay area, and we would drive down and hook up with Azusa Pacific College who put on Mexicali uh, every year to go minister uh, in different uh, communities within Mexicali. And as we, uh, as we showed up there, you, you show up and you set up uh, your tents, and there's just, it's a tent city, thousands and thousands of tents, full of high school kids, and just an amazing week to go and minister. And my heart as a 15-year-old as a boy, a uh, teenager, was not only a, a heart and a vision to minister, uh, but a 15-year-old boy with hormones, uh, I had a heart to uh, make out and a vision for that. That was to be my ministry. And there was a lot of cute girls who would go to Mexicali. And, uh, you know, so I was a little bit uh, dual-minded in my purpose. So we went down, and uh, sure enough, I, I connected up with a gal that I really liked. And, and uh, thank God for those 15 passenger vans. It's a great, great back seat on those things. And so I'm in the back seat uh, with this gal, and, uh, and my youth pastor uh, breaks open the, the doors of the van, and uh, he, he catches us, and he's really, he's really disappointed. He's looking for us, because we're actually supposed to be uh, doing VBS. We're leading the songs for VBS, you know. Yo Tango Gozo Gozo Gozo, Emmy Corazon, you know. And, and we, we missed our timing. So he's upset because he can't find us. And then he's also upset because we're making out in the back seat of the van in Mexico. I really liked my youth pastor. He was a great, great guy. Gary Banderet was his name. Just a great youth pastor. And, and so I was bummed that I disappointed him. And I was bummed that, you know that he was bummed with me. Um, and so we walked it through, and there was forgiveness, and, and he asked me to, to uh, apologize uh, to, the, to the girl just because it wasn't appropriate. And uh, uh, so we went through that whole deal. But here's what was cool. Fast forward a year. Now I'm 16 years old, and we're going to Mexicali again. And uh, Gary Vanderich comes to me, and he says, Hey, Rod. Uh, This time, when we go to Mexico, uh, I want you to teach. And I'm like, you want me to teach? And he's like, yeah, I want you to teach in the church. I was blown away by that. And you'll never guess what he had me teach. (laughs) No, it wasn't the sexual immorality chapter. Uh, But here's what's kind of cool. It was Jonah 3. Jonah 3. My very first sermon as a 16-year-old boy, uh, a story of Jonah and his running away from God and and God working on him, and I got to teach that, and it really, it changed the course of my life, honestly, for me, Uh, because I loved teaching the Word. And Mexico is the greatest place to start, because every time you teach the Word there, and you'll say, like, and God loves you, and they're like, glory, adios, glory, adios, the whole time, they're just raising their hand, and so you feel like, man, I'm really doing something here, you know, this is significant. <laughs> Changed the course for me, because Gary Vanderet gave me a second chance, and that's what we're going to see this morning in the scriptures about the character of God and his journey with us and how he loves us and how he walks through with us. And we see God giving Jonah a second chance because that's the type of God we serve. And I was learning some things as I was studying uh, this passage. And as you study the whole passage, right in the middle, right in the middle in verse 5, it says, as Jonah is used in a second chance to, to give the, the message of God, it says this. It says, the Ninevites believed God. And because they believed God, everything was, was transformed. Everything changed. It wasn't just lip service, I believe in God. It was, they believed God to the core. And that's what I wanted us to, to think through this morning, through this passage what do we believe about God, and do we, do we believe God in what he says? Do we believe God is a God of second chances? Because if we do, it'll change our lives. Do we believe what God says about sin? Because we're going to look at that this morning. Do you believe that God forgives you? And that he truly receives your repentance. When you ask God to forgive you and you repent, do you believe him, what he says that he forgives that? Do you believe that God really saves everybody who repents? Do you believe God is Savior? And finally, do you believe in the abundance of God's grace? Do you believe that grace is for everyone and it's overflowing? Let's start with God is a God of second chances. Let's pray. Father, I just pray this morning that you will minister to our hearts. I pray that you will reveal in us any way that is running away from you, that's kicking against you. I pray that you would reveal in us where our faith is weak, that you would give us faith to believe you when we don't. And, Father, restore us and renew us, transform us as we desire to walk in obedience and to live in your truth. So, Father, uh, just work in our midst this morning. Would you use me uh, to to speak forth your truth? And would your Holy Spirit uh, really touch hearts this morning, I pray. In your name, amen. Well, if you haven't turned to Jonah, turn to Jonah 3. It's one of those... uh, Again, it's minor prophets, so it's hard to find. There's only like one page. Uh, But uh, get there right in the middle. 772 in my Bible. (laughs) This is beautiful. God, a God of second chances. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. Now, here's the deal. This guy is a prophet of God. I mean, he's the man. He's the guy who went to Jeroboam and was like, hey, here's what God's going to do with your kingdom. Let me speak forth, and it was good news at that time. And he brought forth prophecy of God's heart and what he's going to do with Jeroboam. He's a powerful prophet. And here's a guy who, again, should be totally walking with the Lord, and he's struggling in his faith. He's a guy who has failed. He's a guy who's faltered. He's fumbled miserably. I think as we read the first verse, and Jonah was spoken to by God for a second time, it should be words that are encouraging to us. Because we, like Jonah, we fail, we fumble. We run away. We struggle in our faith. But the thing that's amazing about this story is that God still goes after Jonah. God still has value for Jonah. God still wants to use his life in his kingdom work. Blows me away, the character of God. This is a guy that's totally gone the opposite direction of what God has asked him to do. But God saves him, vomits him out on the shore out of the belly of the whale. That's salvation, actually. And says, get up. I still have purpose for you. In the middle of our running away, God does discipline us. He corrects us. He comes along our side, still with his amazing love. And in our failings, he doesn't cut us out from the family of God. Sometimes we feel like when we've messed up miserably that God has given up on us. I just want you to know this morning, that's, that's the furthest thing from the truth. God is a God who comes along your side. Again, there's consequence for Sin. There's consequence when we we take grace lightly. Should we continue to sin so that grace may abound? Paul says, by no means. We should receive grace and say, thank you, God. I didn't deserve that. But that's what God does all the time. This whole passage, Jonah 3, is just covered in grace. You can't miss it. Covered in grace. Grace to Jonah, grace to the Ninevites, and then it just speaks forth grace to us. God of second chances. He doesn't cut us from the team. Have you ever been cut from a team? I have. I played, I played uh, in California it's called Pop Warner football as a little guy. Here it's Optimus football. But I played Pop Warner and I was a pretty good little player. I wasn't fantastic, I was good. And I had this set of coaches. And as we played uh, in the Pop Warner, the coaches uh, stayed with us. In uh, Pop Warner, we went through junior high, and then we we entered into high school. But the coaches were with me uh, from when the time I was nine years old till I entered into my freshman year of high school. <coughs> and as the coaches came up to Half Moon Bay High School, uh, they partnered with some other coaches who were already doing uh, coaching there at the high school. And so you kind of had this blending of coaches. And we went and did our spring training and... Excuse me. We went and did our spring training and... and uh, and then we, a lot of guys came out to play football, uh, so they had to cut some, and so they were reading off the list. And uh, after after several names had gone by, then it's Rod Ritchie. Didn't make the team. I was blown away, because again, you know, I didn't think I was a lousy football player. I did pretty well in, in the younger ages, but the head coach, who the guy who had coached us. He became the head coach for the high school team. And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, uh, we're not cutting Richie. Uh, he had a bad spring training, but I know, I know what he's about. And I know what he can do. Um, I know his potential. And so he kept me on the team. And so I was able to play for Moon Bay High School uh, when that initial guy cut me. And the thing that was cool is the head, coach, the head coach saw who I could become and what I was all about. You don't get cut from the team when you mess up, when you have a bad spring training. God, the head coach, brings you back in. And I'm not even going to mention what I did become, all-league defensive player of the year. <laughs> I'm not going to bring that up. In your face, coach, that cut me. No. God works that way with us. He is a God of second chances who knows we fail and wants to lift us back up so that we're living in righteousness, but we're also living in obedience and he wants to use our lives. It's all throughout the scriptures, isn't it? I mean, look how many failures. Abraham messed up. Jacob, he's a liar and a cheat. Moses, he kills the Egyptian. David has a thing, you know, for other women who aren't his wife. Peter, New Testament, denies Christ three times. I, I don't know if you can fail more than that. I mean, that's pretty lousy to deny Christ three times. And the head coach said, Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. That's pretty beautiful. You see, God's a God of second chances. And if you're in a place where you have sinned, where you've fallen short in your journey, God wants you to repent and draw back to him. And then he wants to give you life. And he wants to walk with you. And not only that, you're still his child. You're still beloved to him. But don't keep wallowing in this sin. God has purpose for you. And the biggest purpose is that you'll just live as his child in obedience. He wants relationship with us. But God in this story and God with us, he has to deal with a problem. You see, God is holy. He's set apart. God is holy. We are not. So that's a problem. You see, sin... Is a problem. And it separates us from relationship with God. That's what it does in our current relationship as followers of Jesus Christ. And that's what it does with those who don't know Jesus. It's ultimate separation. They live, they are bound by sin. And so they are not near God and His Savior and His saving grace. And so as I read this story, I was thankful to God that he's a God of second chances. But then we had to ask the question, do we believe what God says about sin? Because if we do, then it will transform us. It will change the way we live life. It will change the way we respond to God. It will change the way we go out and care about others who are literally in bondage to sin. Do we believe what God says about sin? God says, go proclaim the message that I give you. In chapter 1, verse 2, he says, You need to go, Jonah, and you need to preach against the city Nineveh and its wickedness because it has come up before me. There is a serious sin problem in Nineveh. It's awful. And it's come up before me, and I'm going to send you to go and bring forth my message. And now when you try to run away from me, I'm going to still send you because I'm going to use you, Jonah, to bring this message that I have. I will not relent in the message getting to the Ninevites. And I'm not going to relent from having you be part of that. Even though your heart is struggling with me. And so Jonah goes to deal with a serious sin problem. this is one of the things that, in our culture today, is really, is really an issue: is understanding sin and actually coming to a place that there is a sin problem. We went uh, several years ago, and I've shared this story a while back. Uh, Jackson and, and Corey and I went to Boston, and we went for a pastors' conference to to go be uh, sharpened in our teaching and, and just in our theology. It was a great, great conference at uh, Gordon Conwell. While we were there, there happened to be a Red Sox game that was going on, and so we're like, hey, YOLO, you know, you only live once, let's go. And so we went downtown, and we had no tickets, but there's tons of scalpers down there, so we were able to to work a deal, and we got tickets. And we got these great seats right along the third base line, we're only about 10 rows, I mean, it's just fantastic, you know, and the, the... I don't think there's really a better baseball town than Boston. I mean, it's just, baseball is real there. I mean, it's a it's a big deal. San Francisco, it's like everybody's, you know, drinking their wine and their fromage, you know, and, and it's really like, I don't know what that is, you know. But, but in Boston, it's serious baseball. I mean, they're intense fans, you know. And uh, so we're sitting, and we're getting to know these people around us because they're just, they're chatting the whole time. And the guys behind us, they say, they say, hey, what are you guys in town for? And it's like, well, funny you should ask. You know, we're pastors and we're here and, and we're studying about the Lord and, and all these things. And, and one of the guys is like, yeah, well, I know, you know, I know I'm going to heaven. And uh, Corey goes, well, how do you know? And, and, and then he goes, he goes what, about, what about sin? How do you deal with sin? And the guy straight out, he says this, What sin? I mean, look, what sin? That's, that's a problem in the culture. People are even going, What sin? That's the message that needs to be known because there is a holy God who created them and there is a holy God who is separated from them because of sin and they're living a life that is just blinded and in darkness and they're so in bondage to sin... They go, what's sin? And so we need to bring the gospel message. And I think God wants to use our lives. Lord, make us your hands and feet, as we sang this morning, that we bring the message, that people would know the character of God, that we need to deal with sin. They just didn't know how to label it. Hey, anything that's broken in your life, broken relationship, broken, painful, busted... Anything, that's sin. That's a consequence of sin. Any evil that you do, that's sin. But there's a God who is full of grace, who deals with our sin problem, offering us life. Do you believe what God says about sin? If you do, it'll prompt you to go. And so that's what he does with Jonah. He sends him to go deal with a sin problem. Jonah isn't going to deal with this, hey, and this is, this is another thing in today's culture, and you guys know this. Gospel messages, is God is love. It's all one big hug with Jesus. You know, it's this warm, fuzzy thing. It's happy, 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 you know for those of you Duck Dynasty fans. Happy, happy, happy. It, it's, it's what, it's what we, we present God as. There's a huge part of God, obviously, to that. God is love. But God is also a righteous judge. God is also holy. And sometimes, we, we seem to leave that out of the message. Because God is love, he has to deal with sin. Because he longs for relationship with us. And so he sends Jonah. Jonah's compelled. He sends Jonah resurrected from the depths of the sea, from the belly of the fish, to be assigned to the people. He's a type of Christ. As he's in the ocean in the belly of the fish, that's, that's a symbol of death. And then God saves him and he resurrects him, spits him out on the shore and says, Go minister to my people that need to hear of me. And Jonah, because he believes what God says about sin, he reluctantly goes. But here's a powerful verse, verse 3. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and what did he do? He went to Nineveh. This is one of the biggest problems for us as followers of Jesus Christ. Just simply obeying the word of God. We seem to want to argue with God all the time. Or we're like children who are asked to clean up our bedrooms. Where it's like, you've got to be kidding. Come on, mom and dad. I don't want to clean up my bedroom. And we argue with God like this all the time. And we act like children like that. God simply wants us to obey. Remember what Jesus says? Jesus says, if you love me, if you're really in relationship with me, you will obey my commands. Why? Because they're life-giving. Because they're transformative. I know you may not understand my ways. I know they may be confusing to you. But my ways are truth. And again, they give life. Because that's who I am. So Jonah, struggling with God still, we'll see in chapter 4 next week, I mean, his heart attitude is still, it's just ugly. But Jonah, in obedience, he goes. What's God asking you to do right now that's difficult, that maybe you don't understand? Is he asking you to forgive somebody that you just really don't like and has really, really wounded you? It doesn't make sense. But you just obey because God says, I want you to forgive because I'm a God of forgiveness. I forgave you first. What's God asking you to do? Like Jonah, he just went. And he went with the heart of God. He didn't go in his own heart. He went with the heart of God and proclaimed God's message, not his message. Because God's way is truth, it's life-giving, it's transformative. And he went to the great city of Nineveh. It was an amazing city. There were some images, reconstructed images, during the music this morning, if you caught it. Big, big city. The the walls were said to be three chariots deep. I mean, just incredible walls and and miles upon miles. Three days to walk the whole city. Jonah goes goes in. It says of this great city in Genesis 10 that my great-grandfather removed many times, Nimrod. He built the city. Nineveh continued to grow. It was powerful. It was the Assyrian capital. And in 722... BC, it takes Israel into captivity. And then Babylon eventually comes and takes power over the Assyrian powers. It's an incredible city. It's a great city, the scriptures say. But here's what's really cool. The Hebrew, the Hebrew is, is really neat in this. The Hebrew says, not that it's just a great city. It says it's a great city to God. I take that to say God valued these people in this city. And while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. It was a great city to God. You know, sometimes we have these images. You know, I I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, and you're just like, San Francisco is just evil. It's just corrupt. A lot of people, and they're evil. It's a great city to God. He cares about the lifestyle going on there. He cares about transforming people. He cares. And so he wants to send the message. There's a sin problem. I want relationship with you, but we have to deal with what's going on because I'm a holy God and I have to judge this in righteousness. And so he sends Jonah. Do you believe what God says about sin? Romans 5, the wages of sin is death. Jonah, you need to go preach that message. And so Jonah, in reluctant obedience, does it. And he shows up and he says, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. It's a great short sermon. I know many of you wish... Our sermons would be that way. (laughs) If I just left you with that, 40 more days and coal, you're going down. What are you going to do about it? 40 40 is a number that really sticks out. 40 is a number of, of preparation in the scriptures. 40 is a number of warning. 40 is a number that something big is going to happen after 40. It's always that way. The Near Eastern mind would definitely know that. So it's like a trumpet blast. Forty days and you're going to be overthrown. Because of sin, because of evil, like the words that are spoken to Sodom and Gomorrah, you will be destroyed. Do you believe what God says about sin? It leads only to death. And it leads only to separation from God, now and forevermore. If you believe that, it should compel you to go and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ even when we don't feel like it. Not only do we believe God about sin and His holy judgment, do we believe that God deals with the problem and that He offers forgiveness and that He receives repentance. You know, the rest of that verse out of Romans 5 says the wages of sin is death But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, there is a sin problem, but God has provided a way to deal with it. And that those who repent are forgiven, and that he receives our repentance and gives us life and salvation. Do you believe it? I love that verse 5. He comes in and he deals boldly with what's going on. You are sinning before God. And it says this very simply, and the Ninevites believed God. It wasn't just head knowledge. You know, so many of us have this incredible head knowledge about the scriptures. We don't let the Holy Spirit transform our lives with it. But you know what? God was doing a great work in the hearts of the Ninevites, and they were pierced to the core. And the city repented. That means that they turned around. They they absolutely went the opposite direction. They were headed this way towards death, towards worshiping idols, towards living for self, and everything was about them and their pleasure and their life. And God got a hold of them, and they just went 180 degrees, and they came around, and they're headed back. God pierced them to the core. And in their grief about what they had done in their life, they cry out to God in their grief. And ashes and sackcloth, this this mourning, this grieving. The king humbles himself. The king of this incredible Assyrian power humbles himself before Yahweh, mighty God, with repentance. It's not like Lance Armstrong's Oprah Confession. Just words. It changed them to the core. You see, because God forgives and God saves and God rescues and delivers us from evil. And he speaks to the Ninevites and they are changed. Well, were they really converted? You know, is this like some big gathering and you raised hands and Were they really changed? I mean, these are evil people. Well, Jesus seems to say so. In the Gospel of Luke, the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation, and they, the people of Nineveh, they will condemn this generation. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. You see, Nineveh deserved death. But the enemy repented. They turned totally around. There's never been a conversion like it in history. Repentance. Repentance. That God forgives a repentant heart. You know, it's interesting about Jesus and his ministry. Gospel of Mark, first gospel that was written, goes out and the first thing he says when he enters into the city, repent. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. I offer salvation. I offer life to you. Repent. Do you believe in a God who forgives a repentant sinner? Do you believe in a God who reaches into the darkest heart and changes it forever? If you do, you will be compelled to go and share this good news with those who are lost. They turn around, and God receives. The king says, let us give up our evil ways. God may relent with compassion, and he does. He relents with compassion. What is it about the message of Jonah that converts hundreds of thousands into the arms of God? I think it's the fact that God loves all of mankind to the core. And he will not stop pursuing even the darkest heart. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, Second Peter says. As some of you understand slowness, instead, he's patient with you. He's not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But in the day of the Lord, he will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. The earth and everything done will be laid bare. Yes, there's consequence. There will be righteous judgment. But God is waiting for hearts. He was waiting for Nineveh. And he was using Jonah, the reluctant prophet, to go and preach his message of hope and truth. And they repented. If you believe that God is a God who forgives that he receives a repentant heart, then you will go. Do you believe that God is a God who saves? Even people like the Ninevites. They were ugly. But then all you have to do is look in the mirror, don't you? Do you believe that God truly saves you? Delivers you from death? Death. Verse 10 says, He relented. He repented. It's actually, it's actually the same word. The Ninevites repented. God repented. He turned all the way around. Had compassion on those people as he saw their hearts for him. And you go, wait a second. Did God change his mind? What kind of God is this? Wishy-washy? He said he was going to nuke them. He didn't. God didn't change at all. Here's the deal about God. God will always judge righteously sin. Always. And that was his intention. To judge sin. And so he sent Jonah to judge that. And to speak the words of God. But what happened? The Ninevites responded to God. And they believed. What's true about God? All throughout the word of God. God will always receive A repentant heart that responds to him. Do you believe that? Because if you do, it'll compel you to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what compelled Jonah, even though he was struggling with God. Holding on to his truth, obeying him, that God delivers a repentant heart. Jonah hated that because he hated the Ninevites. But Jonah went, because God is Savior. You know, Aaron taught last week out of Jonah 2. And there's a center line of the all of Jonah, the book of Jonah. It says this, But I will, with shouts of grateful praise, I will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. That's Psalm in Jonah 2. That is the center point of all of Jonah. You see, God came not for those who are healthy, but for those who are sick. He came to save that which is lost. Do you believe it, that he saves? Death and resurrection, I will send you, Jonah, as a sign to the people It's a sign of death and resurrection and you will deliver my word about who I am and about my promises to these people and about my righteous judgment. And so Jonah went and he shared the message of God and they repented and God saved them. Just like with each of us who have turned our hearts towards God. And so if that's happened in your life, do you believe that God's grace is abundant and for everybody? Truly. You know, I know you have some family members. It's like, man, I don't... They're never going to come to the Lord. Hey, not why God's still God of the universe. He's still working on their heart. You may have given up. God hasn't. And that His grace is sufficient for that crazy relative that you don't even like. Or you don't want to bring the gospel message because you don't like them. Jonah hated the Ninevites. But the message of hope was brought, the message of righteous judgment and a holy God was brought. And they were saved. Do you believe God's abundance of grace? If you do, it should compel you to go. This is the God we worship. And this is the God who wants to use our broken lives that have been restored by the Lord to bring forth the message of salvation, of hope and life, of a compassionate God, of a God who paid the price for our sin because he had to deal with the sin problem. Do you believe God? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this morning and I thank you for your word. And again, Father, I ask that you would help us in our faith, but that you don't give up on us when we fail and when we struggle in our faith, that you continue to walk with us and your love's poured out on us and you, you, you rebuke us and discipline us because you love us. And so, Father, I pray that for this body of Christ. I pray that we would learn together to really believe you. And as we believe you, that we would respond through the power of your Holy Spirit to bring forth hope and life and truth and that we'd live out the life of Christ. It is I who no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for dealing with sin. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for saving us. And thank you for communion this morning that as we gather as a body of Christ that we can rejoice in the fact that you paid the price for sin and we can rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we have victory over death. And so we thank you. In your beautiful and precious name. Amen.